0: us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning.
1: Lynn. The topic of our show today is to create and contribute to sustainable solutions. My guest is Rachel Clark. She's become very involved in working in a community in Kenya, and she's going to tell us about that. Rachel has lots of plans. She has plans for the things she wants to accomplish. She has plans for her next trip and how she will prepare for that next trip, Planning our contribution is a big part of the theme of the show. It's about effectively managing our financial resources so that we have more to give, more to provide for ourselves, for the things that we want most, and about being very mindful and intentional in all our choices. It's about thoughtful and mindful giving. Remember, I'm here to help. If there's anything of a financial or a thoughtful giving nature uh, that you'd like some help with, please feel free to send me an email at lynn at steprite.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. You know that I will be very pleased to chat with you. I'd like to promote the thought that everyone has the ability to give something now and also from their estate. Many don't know that because of tax credits, planning can help them to make significant gifts that they didn't know they could make. In many cases, you have the choice to direct tax dollars to charity. Wouldn't you choose to leave your money to your family and a charity rather than pay a large tax bill on your death? This is one of the many things I'd love to chat with you about. Please feel free to email me at lynn at StepRight.ca. Again, L-Y-N-N at StepRight S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T tca i I'm pleased to offer you a free and confidential 30-minute phone consultation. So let's learn about Rachel Clark. Rachel Clark used to be very shy. In grade one, she decided to stop talking. Her parents enrolled her in dance and music in hopes that her non-existent self-esteem would grow. In the arts, she slowly found herself, her confidence, her voice, her language, and her passion for the stage. Others started to believe in her. Slowly, she did too. After graduating high school, she attended the Randolph Academy for the Performing Arts, a triple threat program in Toronto. Rachel's entertainment career began when she landed her first contract on board Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines as a dancer. More contracts followed. Rachel truly loved combining travel with performing. She now works for Drayton Entertainment, a professional theatre company in southern Ontario. The story doesn't end there. Rachel always felt a tug in her heart to help others less fortunate. She wondered why was she given so much. She got tired of advocating and giving money to charities and wanted to do something more. At age 24, she traveled to Kenya to volunteer with orphans and has turned that passion into action. She has since returned to Kenya three times and is committed to helping the wonderful people she has come to know and love. Good morning, Rachel.
2: Good morning.
1: Where are you this morning?
2: <laughs> I'm actually calling from the Dunfield Theatre in Cambridge because I am about to do a student performance of The Little Mermaid, which I'm part of.
1: Okay. So tell us a bit about the show. It's just opened, hasn't it?
2: It did, yeah. It just opened on Friday night, and it has all of the the songs from the movie that everyone loves and knows so well as as well as some some new songs that they've added which are all really cute including a tap number that is led by the infamous scuttle the uh the seagull mm. so oh, a cute show okay yeah there's even some local kids involved which is nice and mm-hmm. it's a pretty large cast and we've rented our set and our costumes from Kansas and oh. uh yeah it's pretty magical
1: Cool, cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a great thing to uh, get out and take your kids to a big family event, right? Eh?
2: Definitely, and actually it's 90% sold out already, which is crazy because oh, it wow. just opened, but everyone loves The Little Mermaid, obviously, so we're hoping that it gets extended uh, past Christmas.
1: Yeah, that's pretty incredible, eh?
2: Mm-hmm, wow. good.
1: Yeah, Whoever thought the demand was going to be what it is for theater in Cambridge, eh? It's terrific. I
2: know. It's
1: awesome. Yeah. It's so good for the city. Before we get started uh, to talk about Kenya, um, you were recently married. I saw some pictures of the wedding. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your wedding.
2: Yeah, I would love to. I'm still sort of floating on the clouds from it. Uh, Alan and I were married on October 4th in my parents' backyard, which is a forest, Uh, and it was our hope to really, uh, you know, tie the knot under the trees, and luckily, it stopped raining at one, and our ceremony was at two, and the sun came out as I was walking down the wood chip aisle, and uh, so we got really Mm -hmm. lucky, and... um, we had our after party at a place that I serve at when I'm not performing called Timeless Cafe and Bakery on Northfield in Waterloo. Okay. So that was really nice, and it was filled with lots of live music, including your daughter, who did a half-an-hour set for for us and the guests, and we had music and mingling and drinks and dancing, lots of dancing. Yeah, so it was it, great. It, it,
1: it looked like it was fun. The pictures, the, pictures, uh, the outside pictures were just beautiful. Oh, thank you. It had a very magical look to it all. Yes, definitely. Yeah, with the fall leaves and everything, it was great. Yes. So what made you uh, first decide to go to Kenya? What made me first decide to go to Kenya?
2: Well, I was working on cruise ships, and I was uh, the dance captain. And I was having to deal with a lot of big personalities who were always very focused sort of in the moment and on their own lives. And I got really, really tired of putting in so much work and love and sweat and time into people who didn't seem to appreciate or care or or even acknowledge it. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, this is the last sort of straw. (laughs) Like, I need to be putting this energy towards people who really need it. And so I've always luckily um come from a family who believes that volunteering locally and globally is really important and so because of their volunteer experience and involving me in that growing up it's been important to me and obvious that it definitely helps and um so i just c- kind of came home from the ship and researched places to go and also tried to find an organization that would take someone like me because I'm a perf- I'm a performer, I'm a dance teacher. You know, I'm I'm sort of this random person that doesn't have a a skill necessarily is what I was thinking in my head to offer because I can't, you know, physically build a school. I don't know how to do right. that. I don't know I don't know how to You're be not a player or a doctor exactly, a teacher, all these things. And so I was looking online and a lot of places re- require, you know, a certain degree of education for these things or whatever and I was just sort of that yeah I was sort of uh, this random person in this one company organization called Global Volunteer Network they um, just kind of said in their description you're going to be a big sister and a mentor to kids that um, are deprived of attention and need help with their homework and their chores and and you're just sort of going to be an extra person to relieve some of the workers that are so overworked in this orphanage and and I thought oh my gosh that sounds exactly like what I could do and I think I could make it work so I I went and I went um for almost 3 months which is a big chunk of time yeah. and enough time to to really I think start to understand the culture and and get used to a little bit of the language and the ways there Everyone's very laid back, and so you know you have all these hopes and dreams, and you want to get things done quick, 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 and it just does not work that way there. So you know you learn mm-hmm. patience and a whole bunch of things. So mm-hmm. that was my that was my first trip,
1: right? And, and, I have, and three months would probably seem a long time for a lot of people, but you'd already had the the experience of, of working on the cruise ships too. That's right. And I think which, for sure that helped
2: prepare me. Yes.
1: Yeah. For yes. being
2: away. Although, my goodness, what what an opposite world though, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah.
2: To yeah. go from performing for on stage sure. and peeling off my fake eyelashes to going to the dirt <laughs> and, the, and the like the raw life of of Kenya, which is so colorful and
1: real. Right. Yeah. Right. And there there's <laughs> there's a quote on your um there's a quote on your website that I was going to ask you about and I think maybe you've just described it and um, it's it's the quote that says, I'm forever working to collide my worlds. Yes. Because <laughs> my
2: worlds seem so different and I what's interesting is I, I get to meet a lot of people from both sides that are very drastically different and I never feel like I completely fit into one side. I'm sort of Mm. both. And um, that's been for a long time. But as I've gotten older, I've just sort of realized why. It's because I'm not extreme in one way or another. I'm sort of, I'd like to be a performer, but I also think it's important to help and that I could do both. And and Mm -hmm. how can I collide the worlds? And, you know, sometimes I feel the most centered and the most... Uh, successful when I'm doing a fundraiser that is performing to raise money mm-hmm. for doing good. So
1: that's right. sort of right. a good focus that I have. Yeah, it, that kind of creates that balance and, and brings the two together. The other thing I thought was very interesting about what you said was you know, about your, your family's Focus and, and having you know sort of the the support and being brought up, believing that that you um that you would contribute um yes, you know, and, and you know and we volunteer. didn't even talk about it a lot. it
2: was more like their example by living like they were very involved in um the dragon boat races, for example, at Laurel Creek that happened for mm-hmm. many years through the Kiwanis Club and and it just sort of shaped me, even though I didn't even realize it
1: yes and i and i I think that has come up um a few times with uh with guests that we've had on the show is that you know there is a there is a background a family value that's been that's been taught as far as um you know believing there is value in giving back to the but giving back to the community so yeah. yeah. So, So that was uh, something to take note of as well. Um, You know what? It's going to be a good time, I think. We'll just stop here for a break, and, um, and then we want to hear more about this. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you.
0: Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. Music This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program.
1: to step right with Lynn. Uh, We would love to have you join in on the conversation today. So if you have questions uh, for my guest, Rachel Clark, uh, about her work in Kenya, please give us a call Uh, or get on the online chat room. You can can, uh, contribute that way as as well. So, Rachel, um, that first time you got to Kenya and what was it like? Well,
2: I was lucky enough to do a lot of traveling, but I had never been anywhere remotely close to what Kenya looked like. And I noticed the colors that people wore and how everyone walked everywhere. And people were so friendly and so kind and so generous, always made time for you. A lot of people are deeply rooted in their faith and they um, they bring that into their everyday life. I noticed um things like uh obviously the animals and the, the just the the place itself is so beautiful and and it kind of I've always felt like I was sort of in the Lion King in real life. And it really <laughs> it really looks like that. And um there, I mean people they there's just some different mindsets than we have here, especially with the time that I was mentioning. Um it's very laid back but also If you're heavier, you are considered more attractive because it means you're Mm. not starving. And, you know, I'm a performer, and so I have to be super, you know, just hard on myself, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I get there, and they're trying to shove so much food down my throat (laughs) (laughs) because they're like, you need to gain weight. (laughs) Uh (laughs) This is so funny. Um, And, like, not a ton of people have their own vehicles. Uh, either people walk or or they have a lot of public transit, which is, you know, sometimes safe mm-hmm. and sometimes not. You're packing people in and it's it's pretty loud and like the markets are gorgeous. There's really like most people just shop at the market. There's everything mm-hmm. you need there. And um, obviously, I, I noticed like a lot of kids running around too. And it was sort of disturbing sometimes to see them without shoes or if, if their nose mm-hmm. was running, they'd just wipe it on their shirts. And, you know, at first that really stands out to you, but then, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you start to just, those things fade away as you spend more time there. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and also, of course, there's squat toilets, so that was interesting too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big a lot of things to get used to, uh, to get used To get to, used, right? used to. Yeah. But
2: something interesting, like a lot of people have cell phones. So oh. that was kind of funny because they're so cheap there. They're like all our old cell phones that we don't want or they're okay. like, you know, later models. So a lot of people do have cell phones, which That's is really cool. interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. and on site, wherever their house is, there's a a big tank that is filled up usually once a week by the government and then you sort of have to ration your water through the week. Oh, so that oh, yeah. was also pretty interesting. And at any time, like the power could just go out and it's not because of a storm. The government just turned it off or <laughs> whatever, oh. right? It was so interesting, so interesting.
1: Hmm. And the, and they just yeah. accept they just accept that at the time and...
2: Yep, yep, turn on the lanterns and keep going with things. It's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. they they always, and also like their their houses have so many couches in them in one room. It's like the entire outside of every wall is lined with a couch or a chair because <laughs> they love to have company. It's so sweet. Oh, no. So yeah. when you have come over, you have as many people as you can and and you always make chai tea and you always sit to talk and take time for your neighbor and you know i wasn't even there very long and i was invited to a wedding i went to a funeral i went to the hospital to visit someone who was sick with my host family who sort of just took me under their wing as their daughter canadian daughter and uh luckily they speak english as well as their own native language um swahili and their tribe language so um
0: okay.
2: Okay. yeah it was it was i felt very welcomed and at home very quickly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I sometimes wonder why we um why there's the the perception of of being superior when so many um you know so many other countries speak more than one language, right? And we we have to, we have trouble to deal with one.
2: <laughs> Seriously, it's so true, it's so shameful. Even the little yeah. kids, they all know, like, at least three languages, and it's it's just, wow. you know, why do we go to countries and expect everyone to speak what
1: we know? It's so yeah. white man of us, you know, like, it's yeah. just, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So what did you set to work to do, and what did you accomplish when you were there? So originally, as I
2: said, I went through an organization, and they placed me with a host family and an orphanage. And the organization really didn't do a lot more than that. They basically just dropped you off, um, checked in once in that three months and sort of just let you do wow. whatever. And so, yeah, luckily I was placed with um, – I went totally by myself, but I was placed with a, another woman who was a similar age as I was, and she was previously a lawyer. And so we really got along and uh, worked well together. And it was important because at the end of the day – uh, yes, of course, like we talked to our family that we lived with, but we needed each other to sort of debrief and go through, you know, what our feelings were and what our experience was compared to home. And so I was really grateful um, to, to have, you know, just someone to talk to. Um, and so we sort of showed up and and just basically got handed a stack of books and each of us were told we were teaching um grade one and grade two and we're wow. like okay my goodness and so we we managed to do it and we had to be very creative because the younger obviously the kids get the less English they know and we didn't know okay. a lot of Swahili so we had to do a lot of drawing and acting and and um colors and pictures and things like that so luckily the creativity in me got really involved and got happy with this project. And we um, we had a lot of fun teaching. Uh, obviously, it was challenging also, especially when, you know, the, the orphanage owner would snap her fingers and three kids would run out of class and you'd be like, what's going on? And they would be back in an hour and have had, had just been carrying water because they had already depleted their supply. And, you know, you get so angry initially and then you're like, right, I guess water comes before education. Mm, But you just, it it was a totally a learning curve. Um, And and we did a bunch of projects, we built more bunk beds and got school desks made and um, bought shoes for the kids and everything. Um, But unfortunately, uh, as in, I mean, you hear this a lot, there's a lot of corruption. And That stems from the top down, unfortunately, in Kenya. Mm -hmm. It comes right from the government and sort of filters its way through every part of life, which is too bad um, because the people are so wonderful. But uh, the orphanage owner was um, just sort of corrupt herself. And Mm -hmm. uh, when I returned the next year with two friends, a lot of the work that we had done was either sold and she kept the money for herself or wasn't there and it was so discouraging and right. um unfortunately like just some things were not right that were happening mm-hmm. there like kids were making meals and things like that and so I actually took a lot of photos and I had a video camera and I got a whole bunch of evidence and I went to child services there and apparently that orphanage wasn't even a registered orphanage and so they hmm. told me we will shut this orphanage down after you leave so that they do not know it's wow. you that came to us because that would put me in danger.
0: Now, this yeah. is obviously
2: a very abbreviated version, but sure, it was much sure. scarier at the time. And well, um, It sounds, it and sounds it, good
1: and scary to me.
2: Uh, yeah, but it was for the, the kids' benefit, and so that did end up happening, which is a good thing, and the kids were split into two, and they were put into government-approved orphanages, which is really good. So that was my first two trips. And, um, yeah, so those were my initial experiences. And, you know, it's hard not to get sort of discouraged. You think you're doing Mm -hmm. good. You think, you know, of course, when you first go, you think you can change the world. It's such an amazing feeling. And Mm -hmm. you're quickly brought down to reality when you realize how deeply rooted the problems are. And how complicated they are, right? Mm -hmm. And me being just me, I mean, I've never taken social development or anything, like nothing that I, or global development, anything that
1: I could really. draw on but i was
2: just sort of following my heart you know
1: <laughs> well as as you were talking i remembered you said at the beginning when you were looking for somewhere to go that you didn't know how to teach like you weren't a teacher yeah i know <laughs> and and, and, you, and you didn't know and you didn't know how to build things and then when you get into the story you're teaching and you're building
2: <laughs> totally and that's actually such a true point like you you actually are so much more capable of things and you realize even yeah. going by myself like that that was terrifying
0: but mm-hmm. i'm like i can
2: do this and once you're there you amaze yourself because you're so inspired by how little these people live off of and how mm-hmm. happy they are and you realize my goodness
1: like why not try it wow so so how did you get past that bit of disillusionment you were having and what happened after that
2: so it took me a while. Um, the first time I came home to Canada, I was a mess I, because I was so attached to the kids in Kenya and what mm. was happening over there. And I sort of felt like I still had one foot in that country and one foot over here. And I felt like it didn't fit in here and I didn't relate and I couldn't get over how much we waste and how materialistic, you know, like all those things. And the second time I came home, I was so happy to be home because of seeing all the corruption and the going through that process of trying to get the orphanage shut down. And so it sort of gave me a perspective of, you know, I have to accept both places and I don't need to conform to one or the other. I can just draw from each and be my own person uh, my culture doesn't need to define me necessarily, but mm. I, um, yeah, it took me a while, to be honest, to get yeah. over it. I actually thought I might not ever go back um, because I had poured my myself okay. into these kids and this project and and even, you know, building fences and stuff, and it was just all gone, and I couldn't believe it. And so wow. it took me a while, and the the reason I went back is because, a woman named Corinne, um she approached me. She owns a small travel business where she likes to clump small groups of people together who are like-minded to go on trips where they get to sightsee but also volunteer. And so mm-hmm. she asked if I'd be interested in taking a group. So I thought about it and I said, there's a whole, There's a yeah. whole, another whole new deal. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm up for anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I said yes, and I went early because obviously I needed to find a new place for us to volunteer. And actually that trip went so well. And I planned the entire thing, and I was so happy and so, like, proud of it and um, really took care of the people and made the trip so low-key and very low-budget so that we could you know camp instead of if we go on safari we're going to camp in a tent instead of staying in these luxurious places and mm-hmm. just keep it very down to earth obviously have a lot of local friends so i could yep. support them by hiring them to take us mm-hmm. and so it was a really unique really unique trip i think and one of the big projects we did at the orphanage was um make a garden and when i returned oh. the next year i was able to eat out of the garden which was so oh, cool
1: Awesome, yeah. yeah, yeah, That's that's a really good that's a really good project. I'm sure that made uh, made a big difference to them. So it was a like it, that. This was for an orphanage as well, or was this a community? Yes. or Okay. This
2: is an an orphanage, okay. a different
1: orphanage yeah. that was so run much so- better. So you you showed you got the garden started and showed them how to do that and they continued exactly. with that when you were gone. Okay. Yes. Exactly. That's great. Um yeah. You know and what we're, coming up, like, to, we're coming up, Oh, sorry, we're go we're, ahead. Well, we're just coming up to a to a break again and just save that thought and we'll uh and we'll go with that when we come back. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Lynn.
0: contribution that you dream of making. In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back. Today we're talking with with uh, we're talking with Rachel Clark today uh, about her contributions in Kenya and uh the many roles that that she played there. So um so you've been telling us about when you you took the group back and and you did work. So that was your third trip to Kenya? That's correct. So um have you been more than three times or or was that the last one?
2: Yes. Yeah, so we did a variety of, of different things and we were there and came back and I sort of ha- was felt like rekindled and and um, there were a few experiences while I was there that led me to, to really believe in the work again. I mm-hmm. saw one of the kids from the first uh, orphanage and he recited, he's six, and he recited the story of me taking him to the market to get his very first pair of shoes. And Aww. and I can't see if he remembers it was, you know, a few years before that and it just his face just lit up and I and I thought, you know, this this matters. Like just showing kindness and showing love is never a waste of time. And um and it just hopefully shapes the people that you are influencing to be that type of person when they grow up and um you know that that is also tr- obviously true in our everyday life and our our
1: life here in canada also right right
2: um so I returned the next year with uh sorry, I had a break for a year, and I returned okay. the next year um with a smaller group, which is mm-hmm. really nice so this is this is last year now,
1: okay, yes.
2: Yeah. And so and uh we we returned and continued the work and basically I like to to show up and just sort of say hey like what do you guys need help with like I don't like mm. to have a plan when we're in Canada because what what do we know what they need when we're here yeah. right yeah. and so I uh I like to go and say what's your wish list what can we help with You know, sometimes it's really simple, like we need more school supplies, which Mm -hmm. um, is great. And that's more of, you know, something that's going to deplete after time. But if it helps, Mm -hmm. then that's great. Or if it's something like build a garden or build a shoe rack or whatever, then that's awesome, too. Mm -hmm. So we sort of work through those things depending on how much fundraising and stuff we've done also.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of depends on how you know, what type of project we can do.
1: Right. So what, what kind of support do you hope to give this um you'll go back to the same place, I'm I'm assuming, uh, when you go back? Yes.
2: Yeah, so I always go back to, to live with the same family and see the same community of people. Something that I've started that I feel is really important is um sponsoring children to go to school.
0: So there's Mm -hmm. two types
2: of schools in Kenya. There is the public system, which costs about $20 because they need a uniform and books and shoes, and they have to actually provide a desk. So that's often too much even for families, which sounds so little to us. But that school isn't ideal because it's usually like 50 kids to one teacher, Mm -hmm. and it's it's just not the same quality as a private school, which is preferred, but also like a lot more money. And so I've been sponsoring uh, two Maasai boys that are twins whose mother died at birth, giving birth to them. And they were from the orphanage, and I had met a contact who is was Maasai, my friend James, and he uh, has been a wonderful, wonderful friend to me and has helped with a child sponsorship that I had started. And so he handpicks what school he feels is right for the children, and I pay him for his time, and it helps him out because he doesn't have a job, and he also has kids of his own. And so he does that, and he checks in with the teachers and gets them their school supplies, backpacks, and everything before school. He escorts Mm -hmm. them to school and home when the term is done, and uh, we we chose to go with private boarding schools because then we know the kids are safe at school, so they have a place to sleep, they have a place we know that they're getting fed, you know, things like that. And so, to me, I mean, I really don't have all the answers whatsoever, but I I know that education has to be the way, or at least one way, mm-hmm. to make a lasting change, investing in a child's life like that, because I've seen it now. It's been almost six years since I first went, and it has drastically changed their life. And what's really cute is that they were 11 at the time, and they really wanted to do well in English so that they could communicate with me, and it's their Aww. best subject, which is <laughs> so cute. <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I, and I've, so when I... Oh, sorry, what's that? Um, what I was going to ask about was um you're choosing the boarding school because um because then the children are safe and the, and they have food um can you talk a little bit more about what their life is like without being supported for school yeah
2: so it's really common um to have grandparents taking care of children in communities that are very low income where AIDS has sort of taken over. And there's a real reality to it when you walk through the slum and there are so many kids, like there are so many kids running around. It's the middle of the day. They should be in school. They're not in school. Mm-hmm. They, Some of them, you know, hardly have clothes. They definitely don't have shoes. And you wonder, like, where are they getting water from? Where are they getting food? How are they? And so it's really common to see um, grandparents taking care of kids or, you know, sometimes there are parents taking care of kids too. And there are a lot of families that are successful and that you would look at and say, oh, I totally relate and our family is similar. But there are those extremes, unfortunately, and they can live right next door to each other. And, uh, you know, these kids are just dying to go to school. That's, like, their biggest right. wish. They will, mm-hmm. unlike our kids here, eh, like, we, they will right. come up to me and say, Rachel, do give me homework. Like, give me... That's what they mm-hmm. want. They're, like, so eager to learn. It's so amazing. And so the children are, are very, <clears throat> a lot of the time, very different than the children here because they've just had mm-hmm. such a different upbringing. And they're so... um Gracious and grateful they share like the f- the first thing like when I dumped out this big bag of shoes for all the kids at the orphanage, the older ones sat there and started handing out shoes to the little kids and it's amazing there's such a a wonderful spirit through these people that is so indescribable that you can just only feel when you're there. It's amazing, and so you know through this poverty. Uh, you know, there, there are so many sad realities and, and and images that have come back to me and and everything, but there is so much good and positive and so much to be learned also. You know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, they really do have it figured out mm-hmm. as far as staying mm-hmm. positive and helping each other out and being grateful and taking right.
1: time for each other. So what does it what does it cost to send a child to boarding school?
2: It ranges, uh, depending on their age. It does get more
1: expensive as they get older.
2: So it costs usually between four to six or seven hundred dollars a year, which works mm-hmm. out to, you know, forty to sixty bucks a month. And right. uh it really it really is nothing to us. You know, it's so it seems like such a big yeah. number when you hear it all together but how easily do we spend that money, you know, month to month on other things. And so oh, for sure. Um yeah, I just my my yeah. parents have had to say, "Okay, you can't sponsor any more kids." <laughs> because <laughs> I, you know, once you meet them all and y- you just it's so hard to to not want to help everyone, and that's sort of a right. Something I've had to come back to many times because there's a lot of things you could help with and a lot of people who need it, and so mm-hmm. I've chosen to focus on um, an education program for for kids.
1: Right. Yeah, now I
2: also, yeah, I also sponsor kids through World Vision, which is a, a wonderful organization, and actually my husband, uh, he is an advocate for them and he fundraises, trying to to get people paired up with kids to sponsor. Uh, So we make a pretty good team. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's also a great, a great organization that has been around for many, many years. And, you know, I've been in countries now where I've seen like, oh, this hospital is built by World Vision and you go in and it's all run by locals. It's not, you know, their, their projects are, we're going to build this and become invisible after it's really cool, mm, so their yes. their sponsorship program had sort of got me in the mind frame of okay this this works
1: right, right. so Rachel, when we're talking about volunteering, um, you've chosen yes. to do this globally, um, you know, other people do things locally um, mm-hmm. you know what's what's more important? I think that both
2: are definitely important and people give me a hard time about it actually a lot. You know, why aren't you helping the people in your own backyard? Um, now I do volunteer locally also, whether it's short term or long term in a variety of different things. Um, but I choose to spend more of my time, energy, and money on the children in Kenya because unlike here, there are no such thing, there's no such thing as a soup kitchen or a homeless mm. shelter or a rescue center for women with children who are in abusive relationships or counseling or all these things that we have here, the infrastructure, the help, you know, the, the programming, the, the places that we have here, that does not exist there. And so mm. people are like outright just suffering and they're not choosing it, It, they're just dealt this, you know. And so my heart really feels for them because uh, sometimes it's really hard to just help yourself when you're in that situation. And we're really, really lucky here to have so many resources available to us to get help or funding or counseling or financial aid, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of why I feel... Um, more of a pull towards helping there.
1: Well, and, you know, no one can judge you if they haven't been there either. It's true. (laughs) You'd be amazed, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I probably would. (laughs) I probably (laughs) would. Okay. Do you know what? It's almost time for another break, so I think we'll take our break there. And then when we come back, I want to hear about Chai Tea Sunday. Sounds great.
0: Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program.
1: um earlier you did mention something about chai tea and i know there's there's something about there's a story behind um chai tea sunday um would you tell us about that
2: of course okay so i was in kenya the first uh the first time and came back and was on fire just so Uh, passionate and had so many stories and my cousin Heather Clark was very compelled by them and started jotting some things down and approached me later and said Rachel I've always wanted to write a book and I think that I could make a book out of a lot of these stories and Mm -hmm. I was like oh my gosh that that sounds great you know it sounds like a fun dream or whatever like let's try it and so she watched all my videos she went through my journal she interviewed me and when i was back the second time would send me little one liners what does the dirt look like outside and mm-hmm. and she she wrote a book um not the, whole, the the whole thing is not just based on my experience but it has to do with a woman named Nicole who or Nikki i guess who uh experiences infertility problems here in Canada and uh she is sort of distraught and and needs a change and and that has taken a big toll on her marriage and so she chooses to go help in another country and when she gets to Kenya my story begins and so okay. the book is filled with filled with um factual stories things that happened to me that i saw children i met and uh she actually presented it and it got published which is amazing awesome. and so yeah this was two years ago now 2012 I believe and uh the the person had said you know we're we're gonna give you a two book contract and so that was her very first book and now this past mm-hmm. spring she came out with Elephant in the Sky which is about yeah. mental illness in children and uh yeah, and so both of us were completely thrilled and, yeah. it, and to be honest, it's sort of still sinking in. I don't know, it it's amazing to me. Uh and I'm really, really proud of her and I'm really happy yeah. that some of these stories and some of these people have made it into the hearts of people here and around the world.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that sounds good. It's really a good uh, read. But you need a kleenex box by you <laughs> <laughs> and and how can people get a a copy of that um a copy of that book
2: try tee sunday is available at 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 bookstores at chapters online you can get it um for your kobo or or whatever so it's it's available anywhere even amazon
1: yeah okay I I think Carol's looking for it right now on uh, Amazon, one of one of our uh, producers. I think she's already. Perfect. I think she's already on it. <laughs> Thanks, Carol. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> it's a great book. Yeah. So, how can people help?
2: You know, I think the important thing is to find something that you resonate with. Like what gets your blood going? What gets you fired up? And to not ignore that, to just, you know, give into it and really meditate on what that message is and 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 let it into your heart and say, you know what, I I should be doing something. And it doesn't mean if you go, you know, if you just don't volunteer lo- or globally, it doesn't mean you're a bad person at all. Everyone is is really called and compelled to do something different. And I think the important thing to remember is to just do something so we've been given so much like so much more than we even even realize and in even me too um and and it's important to not just hoard it and take it all for ourselves and try to get a bigger house and a better car and all these things it's important to take a step back and say wow i'm so blessed to be fortunate and to work Mm -hmm. hard, and to have a job that's paid fairly, and what can I do to help others that just do not have the same opportunity as I do? And uh, I think there's so many ways to give and so many causes that are important and awesome. You know, mine happens to be with children. Other people might, you know, might be with the Animal Rescue Center. Other people might be for advocating for global issues or environmental mm-hmm. issues. And so I think it's really important right. just to do something and I know around Christmas, you know, it mm-hmm. becomes really overwhelming with with gifts and everything and and I really encourage people to uh to do something for someone else as a gift. So, oh, for mm-hmm. example, World Vision has a great catalog where you can give a goat or you can fill a stable or give medicine yeah. supplies or whatever it's really it's really cool because what do we really need here you know That's true. and so yeah. i uh i encourage i encourage that and if anyone would like to contact me directly, of course they can visit my website, which you've posted on your mm-hmm. your site. Okay. And uh, send me a message, and I'd be happy to to connect with them.
1: Okay, and um, and what's what's your email as well? If if people do feel compelled to um, to yeah. contact you and ha- and help your your cause specifically,
2: uh, my email is existingbynature at
1: gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's existing by nature. Um, and uh you i could also connect you um if if you want to connect with me i can um connect you as well um so there's there's lots of ways to uh to get in touch if if you feel compelled to help with, with definitely this or even
2: if even if you want to come along you know i'm always hoping to take people instead of just go alone mm-hmm. because you many hands make light work. It's just a very accomplish true statement. More
1: for sure. You
2: can yep. your love is spread so much farther. Yep. Okay.
1: Another um statement on your website is until alone is over. What does that mean?
2: Until alone is over is actually a song that I wrote in 2009 before I had gone my first time and mm-hmm. it talks about not giving up and not stopping uh and not you know, just not forgetting until until alone is over in the world I cannot stop. Is basically mm. what that song is all
1: about. Yeah, and that's the philosophy that has carried you through all of this, so that's wonderful. That's
2: right. And you can you can uh listen to the song on my website and also there's a a video that I have edited and put together uh that goes with it. Yeah, Which is always, always yeah. nice to to yeah, just there, more see firsthand, you know.
1: Yeah, there's some very cool stuff on your on your website. Would encourage people you. to check that out. Yeah, it's it's uh, really good stuff there. Thanks so much, Rachel, for uh, sharing with us today. It's it's been really interesting. Your passion comes through, and it's been great.
2: Thank you so much for asking me to be on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. So next week, our guest will be uh, Paul Drillard from DSK LLP, Chartered Professional Accountants, and the topic is year-end tax planning. So if you've never done this kind of planning before, here's your checklist. And if you haven't done year-end planning, uh, if you haven't if you haven't done it before, you'll learn how to start and what can be gained. So um, that will be more interesting. Than it sounds. We will keep it moving. Uh, But there are some things that you should uh, take note of there. Remember, we welcome your comments at Step Right with Lynn. Uh, It's the radio show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. You can send me an email at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot Let's book a time for your free 30-minute telephone consultation. I'd love to chat with you. Remember, I'm here to help. I'm interested to hear what you think of the show. Uh, I'd like to know what topics you'd like to hear more about and any suggestions you have for guests that have a story to share about their contribution to the community. So please feel free to contact me. That's lynn at stepright.ca, L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T. This is Lynn Wedham. The show is Step Right with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and the community.
0: Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on A FM. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.